This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Get gold finger today. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want. <laughs> I want to talk to you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Will Sampson. Folk, you are joining me today after the Raptors 118-102 loss to the Boston Celtics on the first game of Christmas. Both an exciting and unfortunate day for the Raptors as this was the first Christmas game they've ever been able to host in Toronto, the second game they've ever participated in. You have to go way back to the Vince Carter days when he was the hottest ticket in the league and he was throwing down these insane dunks every other night for the last time the Raptors played on Christmas. So this was even a a momentous occasion regardless. It was just unfortunate that this game had to come with the Raptors having so many injuries. We're talking Norman Powell, Marc Gasol, Pascal Siakam, most importantly of all. And that's it's just tough because the Celtics, they're healthy. The Celtics are a good team. They're they're definitely a good team. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker. There's a lot of talent there and a lot to make the Raptors sweat. And that did happen. The Celtics, they definitely they made the Raptors struggle a lot on offense and defense. There was a lot that the Raptors had trouble doing. The Raptors overall, it was a really tough game for them. There were sparks of genius that were largely on the back of either Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry. But outside of that, the Raptors fairly uninspired on a Christmas game, and they ended up losing this one. Things did start out really well, though, with the Raptors coming out and breaking off a 10-0 run to start the game. Maybe a little bit reminiscent of Kyle Lowry's start to Game 6 of the NBA Finals, where he comes out like a heat pump. And that happened in this game. He hit two threes early on. The Raptors relying on his ball movement and Fred Van Vliet's, the relocation they're doing off of each other. They're causing switches against the Boston Celtics defense. If they get a switch from a big onto a small, they started looking for the big who was on the small. This could be Serge on Kemba going up for a really easy hook shot, something like that. 
and elsewhere if the Celtics were closing in on one of the size mismatches, finding the open shot outside of that, that lasted for a very short amount of time. The Raptors looked super sharp. It was really crisp, but that stopped. The Celtics are a good defensive team, and they clued into that pretty fast what the Raptors were trying to do, and so that meant that instead of the ball getting funneled to uh, Serge Ibaka, who's being guarded by Kemba Walker, or Fred Van Vliet being guarded by Tice or Cantor, whoever... Grant Williams, whoever's playing in at the time, the Celtics started funneling the ball to maybe an OG Ananobi or Patrick McCaw, and they really, it was so important for their defense to get the ball into those guys' hands because they weren't able to do much with it, and maybe it's even kind of mean and dumb of me to include OG Ananobi with Patrick McCaw because OG is a valuable player, and he definitely has played better games. I didn't think he was anything special tonight. He could have been better defensively. He could have been better offensively for sure. But there's no excuse for Patrick McCaw, who was basically, he makes it so that the Raptors are playing four on five on offense. And he complicates how to create a shot offensively so much because of how he completely inverts the spacing that the Raptors are trying to create with their players. And when the ball gets to him, the hesitancy that he has just ruins so many possessions that started happening the Raptors now that they don't have this easy pass 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 shot offense going they they're forcing it a little bit they have turnovers the Celtics start running out on the break and they're creating shots on the other side they broke off a 20 to 4 run to go up 20 to 14 the Raptors are having trouble containing them on the offensive glass the Raptors are having trouble keeping them away from getting into the paint the penetration they're getting from Kemba Walker Really important. A lot of guys shaping up off of his penetration, flashing to the corners, Kemba Walker making those passes. Jason Tatum was the only Boston Celtic who I think didn't have a good game, but he had an absolute stinker. It was it was a really bad game. But most importantly, the Celtics were breaking down the Raptors by giving the ball to one of Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, or Kemba Walker, running drag screens or staggered screens for them above the break and letting them get into that middle area and try and negotiate how to score from there, whether it was Gordon Hayward pulling up for these easy 12-foot jumpers, something like that, or Kemba Walker pulling up, walking into a triple if the drop defense was going too low, or just finding the people flashing to the corners for triples. The Celtics, they had a very a tough start to the game, obviously, going down 10 nothing. But after that, they really played sharp. And this was a terrific game for the Celtics. And if you were a Celtics fan, you would have enjoyed this game immensely. And the Raptors, you know, they were down 28-19 after one, which means that it was a 28-9 run, which is, that's a tough look. That means the Raptors completely came undone in the first quarter after Lowry checked out. The Raptors were pretty much inept in how they were able to create offense. Nothing was happening. Lowry checked back in with roughly two minutes left in the quarter and a little bit came together, but it was like, okay, the Raptors really struggled without Lowry. How is this game going to look? And for the most part, with and Fred came on in the second half, definitely, but the Raptors without one of those two guys running the offense or taking the shots really struggled. And you could see that bearing out in the first quarter for sure. The second quarter honestly started off pretty encouraging, I would say. The Lowry-Boucher two-man game was pretty... I, I liked it a lot. It seemed pretty immaculate. Kyle Lowry using his body to put this defender in jail, getting those two-on-one opportunities for Boucher. Boucher really aggressive diving to the rim, able to step out and stretch the floor on occasion. 
He was doing a great job of that. He brought a lot of offensive punch to the Raptors. And Boucher, still working on and improving upon what he's doing defensively as far as his timing, his help side. But had, I thought, a decent stretch defensively. And I was happy with his rotations for the most part. Obviously, Cantor came in and Cantor can push him under the basket. But Cantor was pushing Ibaka under the basket as well. So it seemed like you would rather take the offensive punch that Boucher was bringing onto the floor and the improved two-man game that he has with Lowry instead of Ibaka for stretches of this game. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well. I thought he had a really nice um, stretch of minutes that he was really putting a lot of pressure on the Celtics' defense. He was finding the soft spots, which is hard to do. The Celtics have a really disciplined defense. They didn't allow the Raptors to get hardly any runouts on offense. And when the Raptors were in transition, they were bad. Um, Lewis Satzman tweeted that out. He was talking about how, yes, the Celtics have had good transition defense. That's important. But also the Raptors' transition offense has been terrible, which it was. It was not very good. But the Celtics on the other side to fight back against those, or I should say the, the two-man game between Lowry and Boucher and a little bit of an offensive punch from Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, they went right back to those staggered screens. And that killed the Raptors the whole night. The Raptors basically... They've given up a lot of threes all year. It's just their scheme. They started dropping way low. And the Celtics... Well, it's it's interesting, right? Because not only that, but the Celtics were hitting their threes. They're a good shooting team. They've got shooters, and they've got guys who can find shooters. And they have a lot of ball handlers. So the penetration is always ever-present. Your defense always has to be on top of that. The Raptors' defense has been really good at picking on teams that only have one or two ball handlers and trying to completely take those threats away. Now with the Celtics, they've been able to break the Raptors' defense with relative ease because they're able to break down the weak side or the front side, whichever, sorry, I should say strong side, the weak side or the strong side because they almost have a ball handler on every side of the floor and when they're swinging the ball they almost gets to a guy who's able to drive and put the ball on the floor and then make the pass after he gets the defense to take a step towards him the Celtics really really taking advantage of that skill set of theirs and really making life tough for the Raptors defense the defense couldn't keep up on the back end of things Serge Ibaka a little overzealous with how he was doing the shot contests it seemed like he was hopping over to contest players, even though, let's say, OG Ananobi is rolling to the rim with one of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, and they're trying to make a layup over OG Ananobi, who hasn't lost them. Serge Ibaka is jumping over from the weak side, and he's not close to getting the block. He's just jumping over and completely abandons his assignment. He, so there's no box out on a canter, on a Tice, on whoever's playing in the big man position for the Celtics. And there's no way to guard against the pass. So this is something Marcus All is really good at, is being able to mix shot contesting with staying home defensively so that there's no lob pass, there's no bounce pass, there's no pocket pass. And being able to make sure that you're not getting killed because you're not getting, you know, there's not loose box outs everywhere. Ibaka a little bit overzealous in the first half and then in the second half went completely the inverse and the Raptors in the second quarter just completely gave up on the three-point shot it was mostly Fred VanVleet and Lowry grinding to the rim and Boucher and Rondé Hollis Jefferson as well but it wasn't super sustainable you could see that it was just Lowry's genius or Fred's creativity with the dribble that was allowing people to get there or themselves and 
that's a lot to ask for how much they've played, how injured they've been to just go and grind against a very good Celtics defense. Basically what it was is that the Raptors weren't getting any easy offense. Meanwhile, the Celtics, they're running those staggered screens, they're getting downhill, and they're making easy plays. A lot of the plays that the Celtics were making really easy, but the Raptors are scoring usually a guy after quite a few dribbles. They're not finding a lot of spot-up opportunities, and they're, it's really hard for them to score against that Celtics defense. And that's, yes, because Pascal Siakam wasn't there, Gasol isn't there, Powell isn't there. But as currently constructed, they do need to figure something out if they're going to be able to beat teams like the Celtics. Or maybe, you know, the Celtics are a really bad matchup for this rendition of the Raptors, and you just you kind of have to take this one on the chin and swallow it. But they, they were down going into halftime for sure. And the second half, especially the third quarter, seemed like that was the Celtics putting the final nail in the coffin. You could tell, as I just said, that the whole game up until that point was the Celtics creating genuinely good offense and creating good looks and it was on the other side the Raptors relying on absurd shot making and shot creation from one of Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet nothing was coming easy the Celtics were destroying the Raptors in that third quarter they hit a barrage of triples basically because the Raptors they decided okay we're getting killed on the offensive glass which they were in the first half and so they decided to just drop Ibaka all the way back in the pick and roll and Ibaka was dropping pretty much to the rim so that meant that you're either trying to force the Celtics into the mid-range or into the paint where Serge Ibaka can have a good shot contest and make things tough on them but the Raptors that that's dependent on a guy like Fred Van Vliet or Kyle Lowry being able to chase over top with the Celtics they have really good screeners up top especially Tice and so being able to run that Kemba Walker was coming way open being able to walk into wide open triples and Ibaka is not up on the screen at all and drop defense it is what it is you know there there it has its benefits for sure a lot of teams use drop defense and it's advantageous for a lot of big men to be able to drop in this game with the Celtics because of their dynamic ball handlers it was tough to see and the Celtics they made the Raptors pay for the whole third quarter and once the Raptors started chasing really hard and they started sending help from other corners just trying to sway the Celtics away from the middle of the floor which they were getting to very easily the Raptors were never getting the middle of the floor really outside of like I said Van Vliet and Lowry doing some fantastic stuff and a little bit of Boucher aggressiveness running to the rim Boucher was fantastic in this game I, I loved his effort but the Raptors basically not able to create anything in the middle of the floor the Celtics getting to the middle floor all the time being able to hit their shots from there being able to look to the corners finding the open man and the Raptors just did not have the firepower to stay with them and by the time of the third quarter they fell down by 20 it kind of went back and forth a little bit in the fourth quarter we got some Stanley Johnson minutes there was a little bit uh, you know it seemed like a little bit of a hope because we had just seen the Raptors come back from 30 but that was against the Mavericks team without Luka the, the Raptors threw a full court press at the Celtics as well, but the Celtics, they have a bunch of ball handlers, so they could break it really easily. And the Celtics, you know, they're a really good team. It does not hurt that bad for this depleted Raptors team to lose to the Celtics. If this was Friday, December 12th, it wouldn't hurt very much. You'd be like, ah, look at the team the Raptors have on the floor. Wait till they're healthy. Maybe we'll see them in the playoffs and we'll see how the team can do when it's fully healthy. 
I think it would be fine. It just sucks that this was a big marquee Christmas game and the Raptors have so many guys out. It's just really tough. And the Raptors, they fought for a lot of the game, but not enough players were good tonight. Even, as I said, OG Ananobi, really disappointing game from him. It's just so evident how much he misses Pascal's presence on the floor. When Pascal and Kyle are on the floor, OG goes from being, you know, an okay role player and a great defender to suddenly he's a really dangerous role player offensively. He can hit his shots because he gets those open shots he likes. He can attack off the weak side. He can cut under and he can get to the dunker spot when Pascal's drawing lots of attention. He becomes way more dangerous. But in a game like this, he just wasn't able to add a lot. And it was for the, I'll say this for the eighth time on the podcast, it did just come down to Kyle and Fred. And that wasn't enough against a very good Celtics team. And once again, I'll say Patrick McCaw, I don't understand the fixation. I don't get it. He was getting killed, murdered on the screens. And he's a good one-on-one defender, but he's really terrible at navigating screens. And those staggered screens on him tonight, he was getting murdered. And offensively, he I it's horrible to watch him offensively. He mucks up so many offensive possessions. I don't understand the fixation, and I don't think I ever will. But the Raptors... This game, you know, it's it's Christmas game. It should be celebrated for that. We got to watch the Raptors on Christmas. That's cool. That's fun. And I, I'm happy to do it. And I'm happy to, to do this podcast before I go and hang out with my family once again. I watched the game with my family. I took all the notes and everything. And now I'm sitting in the basement recording. But after this, I'm going to go hang out with them and enjoy the rest of my Christmas. But I enjoyed the game. Especially, it's, you know, it's a Raptors game on Christmas. I'm going to enjoy the rest of the basketball tonight. And... Certainly not going to take this one too hard. The Raptors, we're still waiting to see them fully formed. And I think at some point that's going to come. The injuries will round out and we'll get we'll get healthier. But for now, tough. The Reggie Evans Award in this game, definitely going to Fred Van Vliet. The last couple games has gone to Kyle Lowry and for good reason. But Fred Van Vliet tonight embodied a lot of what Lowry's been doing that has made him successful Van Vliet worked tirelessly to try and create offense in this one. And he's a hell of a pesky defender on the defensive end. And that's both those things were brought tonight. And I thought in a game where the Raptors are struggling so much to just toss the ball to Fred repeatedly and have him run the pick and roll, get the switch and say, listen, Fred, you got to take the big man off the dribble and you got to create baskets no matter what. And the Raptors repeatedly putting him in that position and Fred, you know, taking the task and saying, all right, I'm going to try my best. I enjoyed that. I thought that was great. And I'm I'm very happy to give it to Fred Van Vliet. The top comment from Mike S. My guy, you guys got to stop upvoting these. <laughs> There's five paragraphs here. I'm going to read it, okay? I'm going to lay down. I'm going to read it. And I agree with everything that's in it. Just so you know, Mike, I think it is... It is something I've written about. It's something a lot of people have written about. It's totally correct. But yes, there is an aspect to the Raptors defense that encourages teams to shoot open three-pointers in the corner. And the Raptors, they've had really, by the metric, you can't measure luck, but the Raptors are considered a lucky three-point defending team this year. But anyway, I'll get into what Mike writes about here. So, quote, I know people are wondering why the Raptors get so unlucky that other teams always shoot the lights out from behind the arc against us. So to say it, it's not true. The Raptors system is just terrible at guarding the three-point line. 
Nurse has been using a ton of different defenses, trap heavy, zone heavy, or double heavy. We rarely just guard teams straight up anymore. Those schemes can do a great job of clogging the paint and putting the other team in the mud, but all those schemes have something in common. They give up a disproportionate amount of wide open threes to the other team's role players. The Raptors systems do a lot to take the star player out of the game, but risk all these other guys from going off. Remember the Rockets game where Ben McElmore exploded? That was an extreme case of the Raptors system, so let's take a look at some of those numbers. The Raptors give up a wide open three at the highest frequency in the NBA by a fairly large margin. Over 22% of other teams' shots are wide open threes. And this is the scariest thing. The Raptors have been extremely lucky with how other teams shoot on those threes. Other teams connect on a pitiful 34.7% of their wide open threes against the Raptors. If you think that other teams light the Raptors up from behind the arc now, we better hope the law of averages is fallacious because other teams should be shooting much better against us. That 34.7% on wide open threes is second lowest in the NBA. The median is over 38%, so we should actually be expecting teams to be shooting much better against us than they have been. Scary, eh? Everyone knows wide open shots are bad, but another one that is terrible to give up is the spot up shot. Most players to ever play shoot better than they when they don't have to dribble the ball. So how do the Raptors fare with this shot type? Again, worse than the NBA, almost 34% of opponents' threes are spot up. The median is just over 26%. The Raptors are also lucky we don't get punished more here. Teams shoot 34.2% on spot up threes, the fourth lowest mark in the NBA. The median is 37%. And then, the last sin guarding the three-point line is giving up the corner shot, which is shorter than above the arc. So how do the Raptors fare here? You guessed it, dead last in the NBA by a mile. We give up 6.6 threes from the left corner, next worst team is 5. We give up 5.8 from the right, next worst team is 4.9. So if we are also by far the worst team in giving up corner threes, we actually give up over 5 more corner threes per game than the median team. We give up almost 4 times more threes than the best team at guarding the corner. And again, we are lucky to not get punished more. Teams shoot well below average against us on those shots, under 38% from the left and under 36% from the right. Some teams have over 50% of the corner shots made against them. The median is 40% from the left and 37% from the right. So to summarize, the Raptors are by a very, very wide margin the worst team in the NBA at guarding the three-point line. We give up wide open spot up and corner threes at the highest frequency. And I'm sure that also means we are giving up the worst shot to give way too much. The combination of all three. So... When we complain about other teams shooting the lights out against us, remember it's not luck. Those role players going off is by design. We're actually lucky teams don't capitalize more on us, shooting way worse against us than they would against another team with the exact same shots. If we see some returning the mean on these shots, the Raps will slide very far in the defensive rating. I love that Nurse is building an arsenal of different defenses to use at a later date, but there's a reason that simple man-to-man is the most used defense in the NBA at the NBA level. Teams are talented and role players will kill you if they're given wide open spot-up corner threes. All right, so that is from Mike S. I agree with so much of that. It is not just as simple as saying they're going to start shooting the same percentage against the Raptors. The Raptors are definitely lucky. I don't expect it to go back to the law of averages because the Raptors are very clever in the way they deploy the zones. The shooters that end up taking the shots while open definitely aren't the best shooters on the team. Usually, for example, in the Celtics game, The Celtics have a lot of ball handlers, meaning that if they're rotating the Raptors' defense and the Raptors key in on somebody, another ball handler who happens to be a good shooter can relocate for a wide-open shot. Raptors, in a lot of schemes, will incentivize the ball handler, who is also a really good shooter, to pass the ball up. But it will be going to somebody who is not that good a shooter, but also can't put the ball on the floor so that the 
good shooters on those teams can't relocate. The Raptors can just keep defending, and the ball will be stuck with that player. That is a factor, so it's not as simple as the Raptors are about to get killed. The Raptors are, teams are going to shoot way better against them. The Raptors, there is a little bit more going on. The Raptors are very selective in who they're allowing to shoot, and that's why you see it vary from game to game because when the Raptors are able to pick on certain role players and really funnel the ball to them, that's when the game really breaks down for for the Raptors. And the Raptors can really hone in on they're locking down certain players on the defense. And that's in response to the NBA becoming more driven by one player on a team. And, you know, teams have kind of homogenized a lot of the offense for one player. It's become a lot more prevalent in the NBA for these massive usage rates. But all of that is concerning. It is a real problem with how the Raptors play defense. They're overzealous a lot of the time. It seems sometimes it works and the Raptors are able to rattle teams but the Raptors, they're not playing with the full deck right now. And so we're seeing the the fruits of that labor, trying to work in all these different defenses, trying to do a lot of different things. A team like the Celtics, definitely able to capitalize, of course. The Raptors are definitely a lucky um, three-point defending team. There's definitely some luck involved with that. Teams aren't shooting probably as high as they should be. However, it does make sense to me that the Raptors aren't allowing the median because factored into those numbers isn't the players who are taking the shot you're taking the median of the nba but the raptors in how they execute their defense it's not like buddy healed if they play sacramento is the guy who all the threes get funneled to it's not like davis bertans is the guy who all the threes get funneled to when they play the wizards the raptors aren't just selling out without a plan for the back end of the defense but yes you're completely right the raptors are giving up too much and they do need to clamp down, and they definitely, if they want to be able to win at the highest level in this league, they have to be able to play more man-on-man. They've been throwing a lot of different defenses for a lot of this year, and while it's cool, and they're definitely their resume is going up, and I think it'll be really cool to see in the playoffs, you still need to be able to just go out and play five-on-five man-on-man defense and really get after it, which the Raptors, you know, if they're healthy... They should be able to do, but I think a large part of this too is the Raptors having to rely on so much of the guys from 9 to 12 in the rotation and not being able to just go to the same guys who play man-on-man defense, and they've been super unhealthy this year, and that's just sometimes that's the way it works out, but very, very well done, my guess. I agree with almost everything. I'd say I agree with everything that was written there. I think that you probably did research before that. I I can't imagine that. You just pounded all that out after the game in the quick reaction. So I don't know if you're preparing notes to put in the quick reaction, but regardless, I uh, I, I think people like them. I enjoy reading it. I think it's good insight. So, hey, man, if you, if you like doing that, um, well done. It definitely elevates the conversation in the comment section. So good for you. I'm going to get back to my Christmas. I hope everyone has a, a wonderful day, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, or in the afternoon, whatever it is. Have a blessed day, and goodbye. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voiceiq to see how voiceiq can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.
Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply.